0: Alright, get your copy of Scripture out. We're going to be in the book of Philippians. Uh, Philippians chapter chapter number 2. Uh, if you have a pew Bible, I think it's page 1350 in the pew Bible. That'll help you out. Um, but it's legal, I promise, to take a pew Bible and look in the table of contents to find the book of Philippians. It's legal. You can look for the table of contents. It's okay. If you don't know where the book of Philippians is. So turn to the book of Philippians. We'll be in chapter 2. <clears throat> Chapter 2 of the book of Philippians, if you don't know much about the book of Philippians, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote uh, many books in the New Testament, and he is in his best mood uh, when he wrote the book of Philippians. However, he's not in a great circumstance. He is in prison. Most people, most scholars say that he's in prison in Caesarea, um, or, or, or it's just... We understand from scholarship that he's probably in imprisonment in Rome, maybe under house arrest, that kind of thing. But he writes this wonderful letter to the church in Philippi, this book of encouragement, um, encouragement for Christians to grow in your commitment to God and to one another. I'm going to read verses 19 through 30 and we'll pray and then we'll, we'll, we'll get going with what God has for us with this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19, Paul says, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth how as sons with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I know therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly after I myself will come also. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. Verse 29. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. I pray that you would teach us from it. I pray that you would... uh, highlight the glories and the treasures of christ in this passage lord we want to know more about the gospel and how to to love you better and to serve you better or teach us from your pages of your holy scriptures we commit this time to you we pray this in jesus good name amen so i entitled this message a pair of aces and so i think sometimes when when you think of a pair of aces you, you Maybe you're thinking gambling or cards, and maybe you uh maybe you grew up playing uh spades or Texas hold 'em, I don't know. Um but but and I'm not talking about cards when I talk about a pair of aces. I'm talking more like wingmen. You ever watch Top Gun? Wingman. You never leave your wingman. And and, and Paul is speaking of a couple of aces here. A couple of wingmen that he has in the faith, a couple of people that he trusts that he knows are gonna be beside him. They're going to walk with Him. They're going to serve with Him. So we're going to look at these pair of aces tonight. And there's really, in this passage, there's really no direct instruction in this passage. But I think a lot can be learned from this. I think a lot can be learned from from these two spiritual models, these, these servants, these wingmen, these pair of aces, these servants for the sake of the gospel. And I think if you want to write... Write something down. Just, just make a a top note. Just say a genuine spiritual servant, and we'll look at both of these guys, and we'll pull out some of some of the things from this passage. Um, but like I said, Paul was Paul was writing from prison. He was, he was. This was after his third missionary journey, and he is accompanied by Timothy, Epaphroditus, Luke, and maybe some others there too. And so he's got he's got some folks with him that he trusts that are walking with him that. and I I think the conversations probably happen like this that that in a sticky situation and Paul found himself in a lot of sticky situations he would probably look at some of the guys that were with him and he'd probably say something like hey, I I don't know what's fixing to happen and they'd probably look back at him with a little fire in their eyes and say, you know what Paul what comes, comes we're with you and they stuck with him You don't hear a lot about Epaphroditus, especially. You do hear a lot about Timothy, Paul's son in the ministry. It was a couple of books after his namesake that Paul wrote to his protege, to his son in the ministry. But Paul had spiritual servants that that came along beside him, that walked with him, that were committed with him to the ministry. And I think that we need to maybe look at these guys and and maybe examine these aces, these, these wingmen in the faith, and maybe can... Can uh, apply some of their, uh, some of the things, some of the qualities that they had. So the first ace that we look at that we see in this passage, the first uh, wingman of Paul, you see in verse nineteen, uh, Paul mentions Timothy. So the first ace that we're going to look at is Timothy. He's a convert from Lystra. One of the one of Paul's on some of his journeys and up north, some of the northern part of some of his journeys, and he goes to the place called Lystra and um, or Lystra, however you uh, say it, however you want to say it. His dad was a, Timothy's dad was a pagan, uh, but his mother, if you know much about Timothy, his mother and his grandmother they were deeply committed to the faith. They were, they were spiritual giants and they, were, they modeled the faith. They, were, they, they walked with the Lord and Timothy had this, this foundation, this, this uh, legacy of faith passed on to, uh, to him from his, his mother and his grandmother. Um, they, Timothy was with Paul over 10 years, walking beside him, journeying with him, th- thick and thin, richer or poorer, better or worse. Sounds kind of like a marriage vow, huh? But you know what? When when we're on this journey of faith, we need people to come along beside us. You need somebody to come along beside you that's with you, for better or worse. That you can link arms with and say, hey, you know what? I'm with you. We're in this together, pal. I don't know what's coming, but I'm with you. And so Paul came along beside and he brought his son in the ministry and he, and he, and he built him up and he... Sent him off, and he launched him into his own ministry. Paul Paul kind of understands when he's writing Philippians that this, that this might be kind of towards the end of his ministry, and and, he, and he's forth, he's kind of thinking of possible execution. He doesn't know what's going to happen, and eventually Paul does get executed. But he has a legacy of faith that he passed on to these servants, these wingmen that came along beside him. So let's look at Timothy here. What qualities make up a genuine servant? Let's first of all look at Timothy. So a genuine spiritual servant, number one, encourages believers with faithfulness. Encourages believers with faithfulness. If you want to be a spiritual servant, if you want to be a genuine spiritual servant, you encourage others, encourage believers with your faithfulness. Timothy was a source and a bringer of hope. I understand this because there's people in my life, when, when I get kind of bogged down in ministry and kind of with, with with just things in life, There's and hopefully you have people like this, you can just start thinking of them. And they just kind of, they cheer you up. And they're not even next to you. You're just thinking about them and they cheer you up. See, Timothy was like that. He, he brought hope. He brought peace. He was a person of... Uh, faithfulness and a source and bringer of hope. Verse 19, Paul says, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you, that I too may be cheered by news of you. So let me ask you the question. Does your life bring hope and encouragement to other believers? A spiritual servant, a wingman, an ace in the church for the sake of the gospel is going to bring encouragement to other believers. Next, a spiritual servant is concerned about the welfare of fellow believers. Listen to this in verse twenty it says, For I have Paul's talking about Timothy here. He he says, For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Paul Paul understands that this that that this this letter that he's writing to the to the Philippian church, and, and when they would get this letter, they would they would stand up in front of the church, whether big or small, and they would read it in its entirety. That's why it's good sometimes to take some of these letters that Paul wrote, read them out loud in their entirety, because that's how they were originally first received. Paul understands that that, that the Philippian church needs encouragement, and he needs to be able to, to send somebody to them that's really concerned about their welfare. A spiritual servant... A genuine spiritual servant is concerned about the welfare of other believers. And I see some of this stuff happen all the time around me here. It's a beautiful picture seeing this happen in our church when someone's concerned about the welfare of somebody else in the church. And you come to their aid and you help them out in in a time of need. And there's, there's temporal needs that people have. And we need to look out for the temporal needs of the brothers and sisters in Christ. We need to look out for some of those temporal things, things that just don't last, but still they can cause grief and they can cause concern in your life. If if, if you're in a situation where where you're needing some food or some shelter or some clothing, and if you're a believer in a church, there should be spiritual servants in your church that come to your aid. See, Paul understood that Timothy was a person... It was concerned about the genuine welfare. Well, we also not only need to be concerned about the temporal welfare of others, but the eternal welfare of others. A a genuine, a true, genuine spiritual servant is really concerned about the eternal welfare of those around him, especially in the church. That's why I think ministry, I, I love seeing ministry happen in the hallways, in the classrooms. You go up to somebody who's been here a while and you, you just you can look at them and tell they're kind of sunk a little bit, right? Or maybe you're there. You're you're kind of sinking a little bit and somebody comes to you and they lift you up. They build you up. Why do they do that? Well, they're concerned about your spiritual wealth, welfare. They're concerned about how you're doing. And so sometimes when you go up to somebody and say, hey, how are you? I mean, a lot of times we just like, I'm fine. But a lot of times we lie, don't we? You know, Lying is one of those sins that we're sometimes comfortable with and I don't understand that. And we lie to each other all the time in church. We lie to each other. Lie, we lie to our brothers and sisters in church all the time. So we say, hey, how are you? Good. You're not good, are you? You're not always good. We're not always fine. But we're quick to shoot those answers out because we've got to go on and do something else. Now, now, someone who's spiritually concerned for your welfare, a spiritual servant, they're going to look at you and they're going to tell you you're not fine. They say, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm, I'm doing good. No, really. Tell me, how are you? What's been going on? And, and the conversation shifts, right? Have you had a conversation like that in your Sunday school class, in your church? That's because a spiritual servant, someone who's concerned about your welfare, has come along beside you and they see that you're kind of sunk a little bit and they want to lift you up. So a servant, a spiritual servant, is someone who's concerned about the welfare of fellow believers, both the temporal welfare and the eternal. The next thing that we see, um, a a spiritual servant seeks the interest of Jesus. Listen to this. Paul says, um, talking about Timothy here, talking about his ace, ace in a hole here, he says, "...for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ." So Paul is, is needing to get some, something spiritually accomplished and thinks of Timothy and Epaphroditus. And he also thinks of, I'm not going to send I'm not going to talk about maybe using these guys because might, they, they might not always seek the interest of Jesus, but I know Timothy and Epaphroditus, they're going to seek the interest of Jesus. I think it's important. As a spiritual servant, your goal, your job is to seek the interest of Jesus. Are you here tonight to seek the interest of Jesus? And so, when when you you think about that, a spiritual servant, their number one goal, their number one priority is to glorify God with their life, everything who they are, and to seek the interest of Jesus. Paul has this this, this, this thing that needed to happen, this this goal in ministry that needed to happen. And he thought about these two guys because he understood that they actually are seeking the interest of Jesus. Some some people might say, what, what is Jesus interested in? I think that's a good question. I think if you read the New Testament and pray, say, Lord, I really want to be a spiritual servant. I really want to be someone that, like, like somebody like Paul would look at me and say, they actually are seeking the interest of Jesus. I want to be referred to a person. I want to, be, I want to be considered somebody like that. Well, go to the Word. Go to the words of God. Study and read. And what is Jesus interested in? And then you'd be interested in that. Uh, so, like it's kind of funny when you re- when you see commercials about these dating sites and like you want a common interest. Everybody wants to have common interests, that kind of thing. And if everybody if everybody was interested in the same thing all the time, that'd be kind of boring conversations because you you'll always agree on everything. Don't you want to disagree sometimes and clash a little bit, have different conversations? well the same thing like we want to have the same interests as as believers we're not always going to agree all the time but we do want the same interest the same interest of jesus so a spiritual servant seeks the interest of jesus um radically they are radically against the grain i think some sometimes some preaching i, I believe rubs people the wrong way and um and that's okay i think it was uh Billy Sunday said, "If my preaching's rubbing you the wrong way, if if the cat's being rubbed the wrong way, then I'm not turning. I'm gonna turn the cat around." And so sometimes preaching rubs people the wrong way. Sometimes the interest of Jesus rubs people the wrong way. It might rub people the wrong way if you're seeking the interest of Jesus in your work, in your home, with your friends. But a spiritual servant, someone who's an ace for the gospel really seeks the interest of Jesus. Next thing we see is a spiritual servant is committed to discipleship and the gospel. And that's understood, right? A spiritual servant is committed to the gospel, but they're also committed to discipleship. Verse 22 says this, But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. He, Paul refers to Timothy as his son in ministry. Someone who's working with him, who's committed to, to, to coming under Paul and say, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to learn from you. I'm going to grow. I want you to disciple me. And I want to be a part of the ministry of the gospel. So a committed spiritual servant, and we all want to do that. I mean, this is the Sunday night crowd, right? Most of us in here, we would, we would, we would say, hey, I want to be referred to as a committed spiritual servant. Well, they're committed to discipleship. And they're committed to the gospel. They're committed to growing have you are you still growing? Have you checked out on that? Are you still a learner are you still gr- you still want to know more about the faith? Is God still growing you? Are you committed to discipleship? Are you focused on the gospel and what is the gospel and and i 've been thinking about this and how there's so many so many misunderstandings about what the gospel is well here 's the truth short version of the gospel that Jesus Christ came. Perfect. And he became sin. He who knew no sin became sin, so that so that we could be forgiven. And, and and he in turn became an enemy of God on the cross. God had to turn away. And in that whole process of atonement and redemption, we can be called sons and daughters of God. We as the enemies of God, because of our sin, deserve all condemnation, all punishment. Yet Jesus took the full force of God's wrath on the cross and the work that He did on the cross so that me and you we could be forgiven. We could be free. And folks, that's what's the good news. The word gospel means good news. And what is the good news? The good news is that God took every step necessary to, to make you right with himself. And that through the blood of the cross, Jesus is reconciling all things to himself, things on heaven and on earth. And you, because of the cross, because of the gospel, you've been made right with God. And we need to be committed to that. We need to be proclaiming that. We need to look at ourselves in the mirror and proclaim the gospel to ourselves. Especially when you start beating yourself up, when you're a believer and you start wearing yourself out. I'm worthless. I can't do this. I'm a, I'm a stupid sinner, and I can never do anything right. And God can't stand me because all I do is sin all the time, mess up all the time. You need to remind yourself of the gospel. That's not your identity. See, religion says do what you do all these things so you can be accepted. The gospel says you have been accepted, so now therefore you get to do all these things. Does that make sense? There's nothing. There's no self-worth that you have that can make any, anything in your own strength that, that, that you can have any merit before God. And God did all that work so that you can have full merit before Him. And that's the Gospel. That's what we need to commit to. And it's so freeing to know that God is not looking at us based on every little detail that we, that we do. And He's looking at us and He's considering our righteousness based on what Jesus did on the cross. And therefore, we are accepted by God fully. Forgiven. Really, all of your sins, if you're a believer, all of them have been forgiven. Quit, quit holding them in front of yourself all the time. They're gone. They're washed away. You need to remind yourself of the gospel. You need to be committed to the gospel. God has accepted you, therefore, you obey. A spiritual servant is mature and relied upon by the leaders above them. Listen to this. Paul says in verse 23, I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. So Paul trusted Timothy's maturity. He trusted his um, m- ability. And I think a true genuine servant, if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, those above you, uh, according to Scripture, those uh, elders or leaders or deacons above you, they can, they can trust your ability. They can look at you and say, hey, we've got something we need to do and I think this person can handle it. Don't you want to be like that? Don't you want to be somebody? And, and this is a Sunday night crowd. I think most of us are there. You can, your pastors can trust you to, to do something. So Paul trusted Timothy's. He trusted, trusted his maturity and his ability. Do others trust your maturity and your ability? So we see this spiritual servant, some of these things that we can pull out from Timothy. Now let's shift gears a little bit to the second ace. A pair of aces, right? Timothy and Epaphroditus. Not a whole lot of people know about Epaphroditus, Right? When you when you were found out that some of y'all when y'all are trying to have kids, you found out you're having a son. Did did you ever say, "Hey, let's name our son Epaphroditus"? Do you think that? Just a just kind of a weird confession. When we have we do have four kids, uh, but I had a lot of fun conversations with my wife about the the names for our kids, and um, I really had some good ideas that that didn't work. Okay. I thought they were great names. Like, I think it'd be great to have a son named Dropkick. Right? Soda Pop? I mean, how cool is that? It's my son Soda Pop. Nobody names their kids stuff like that anymore. Um, But Epaphroditus, I don't think that would probably go well. Anyway, let's look at Epaphroditus. Okay, good. Epaphroditus is sometimes considered God's gambler. Epaphroditus, God's gambler. Doesn't that just sound cool? Somebody's just going to risk it all for the sake? Just... He's kind of a secondary character. I mean, Epaphroditus isn't somebody we all usually know about. But let's look at Epaphroditus. Let's look at what Paul's talking about with Epaphroditus. Let's examine him a little bit. This other ace, this genuine spiritual servant. Let's pull out some things with Epaphroditus. You guys with me? Good. Okay, verse 25. Listen to this. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother. This, This word brother is really an affectionate term. So a spiritual servant also is a person of love. Somebody who, who, who comes beside someone and, and generally concerned about them, but they also love him. When, I'm going to Southeast Asia in a week and a half with Justin and Steve. I love those guys. I'm excited about coming along beside them and say, hey, we're going to do this thing together, right? We love each other. It's good to work along beside people that you love. When In July, when, when, when I got to go to Brazil with, with several of y'all from our church, I didn't know anybody except Tony when I, went, when I started going on the trip and then at the end of the trip, like, I knew everybody. And man, I loved everybody. Because that's what happens when you're serving together spiritually for the sake of the gospel. You love each other. And it's okay to give somebody a high five in church. It's okay to give somebody a hug in church. Give somebody some knuckle in church. Why? Because we love each other. It's good to love each other. It's good to express that sometimes. You know, in the New Testament it says, greet your brothers with a holy kiss. Now watch it, guys. Don't be smooching on me. but And that's a cultural thing. We don't have to kiss each other. But there's over and over throughout Scripture, it's clear we're supposed to love each other. Like some of y'all, like, we're all spread out right now. Sometimes, like, I want to like squeeze everybody in sometimes. Man, let's get let's get a big group, hug. Let's love each other. We're in this together. We need each other. We want to serve beside each other. We want to love each other. You need the church. The church, the, each other, we need each other. Listen to this. 1 John chapter 2, verse 10. I think the verse should come up on the screen. It says, Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and hint and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Don't you want to? Don't you want that verse to be said of you? No cause of stumbling? Listen, I know there's a lot of people in here. You guys are struggling with certain sins in your life. If you have spiritual servants that love you, that are walking beside you, and you start walking headlong into a deep, dark pit, they're going to be like, "Whoa, oh, whoa, where are you going? That's not going to work out for you. Remember the last time you jumped down that hole? Look, let's, let's, let's think about this. Let's pray about this. We need each other. That's why it's so important to be a part of a of a church. Meet together, worship together, pray together, love one another, commit to the leadership, commit to what God is doing in your church. A person, a spiritual servant is a person of love. Um, next thing, I love this. He just starts listing these cool things about Epaphroditus, someone we all know and love. So another thing, a spiritual servant is a person of sweat. What does it say here in verse 25? Not only is he a brother, Paul says he's a fellow worker. Worker. That's one of the things, I had a conversation with somebody, and they're not in here tonight, but they always said one of the things they like to do is get together with, with people, with brothers in the church, and work, sweat beside one another. You work with somebody, you sweat beside somebody, you get to know them, right? You get to understand who they are. Now, we're, we're, we have a task to do. We have a goal to do. and We've got to do it together. We've got to come along beside one another and work hard together. And we can do it together. We've we got to work hard together. Uh, 2 Timothy verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Work hard for the sake of the gospel. Don't just work hard. A lot of people can sweat. Doing things. I worked in high school for a group, uh, a company called Foster's Fix It. Worked for about three weeks. And these guys worked long days on the roof. They were super skinny because they sweat like, I mean, all day long. And their skin was like leather. And they had all these tattoos that were faded. And they were just hard workers. One guy actually fell through the roof, through the ceiling, and landed on the the, 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 the dining room table of a place. And he was like, oh got up, got back on the ladder and started working again. So, so, so some people really work hard, but it's, not, it's, it's one thing to work hard, but, but we've got to work for the sake of the gospel. So Paul's envisioning his friend Epaphroditus. He says, he's my brother, I love him. He's also a worker. Man, you call on him, he'll sweat. He'll get the job done. So a spiritual servant is someone who's ready to work. And I'm so grateful for people in our church that just work you got three or four jobs. And and, and, and one of the things that we want to do with with, uh, finding my place in the family, we want want other people to work too. So if you have 12, 50, 30 jobs here, we want to let you have a few and let other people who don't have jobs, let them work as well. So If you feel like you're not working, we want to put you to work, right? Some of y'all who are working 20-something jobs, say amen. Next thing, a spiritual servant is a person of battle. What does he say? What's next? Are you with me? He says a fellow, not only is a he's a brother, not only is a worker, but he's a soldier. Paul says, I'm sending you Paphroditus because he is a soldier. He fights. He fights. He's he, he's in in the in the good fight. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12 says, fight the good fight. Folks, I want you to Tonight I want to share something with you. You're in a war. You're in a battle. You're in a fight. There's a spiritual war going on. You're, you're in the front lines. You're warring over sin. You're warring over temptation. There's people around you that are fighting as well. You're in a battle. You're in a fight. Make war. Fight. Fight temptation. Fight sin. Paul over and over uses this terminology. He talks about the armor of God. There was an old preacher one time who said most Christians, they, they put the helmet of salvation on and they walk around butt Butt naked. They don't put the other armor on. we got to put all the armor of God on because we're in a fight. The devil and his armies and his demons, they want to destroy you. They want, you. they want to get you out of church. They want to start shifting your understanding of Scripture. You're in a fight. You need all the armor on. And I'm sorry if that offended you. But we're in a fight, people. We're in a war. It's time to look. It's time to knuckle up. It's time to get ready to go to, go, go to war. And I want you on my team. You're on my team already. I want to just, let's fight together, right? Epaphroditus, Paul said, he's a soldier. Yeah, okay, good. Let's fight the good fight, fellow soldiers in Christ. Next thing Epaphroditus, a spiritual servant, is a, pers- is a person of trust. Paul says he's your messenger. He trusted him with this message. Listen to this 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. You memorize this and you write this down. And what you have heard from me, Paul's talking to Timothy here, says what you've heard from me, what I've taught you, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Trust. Entrust them. A spiritual servant is a person of trust. They're a messenger. As he says, in your messenger. So Paul trusted E. Epaphroditus, we'll call him E. Paul trusted E with the message. The Philippian church also trusted E. Next thing, let's keep going. A person of mercy. So the person of trust, per, or soldier, ready to work. Spiritual servant also is a person of mercy. Verse, the end of verse 25 says, And minister to my need. Paul understood Epaphroditus as someone who, 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 who saw a need and he trusted him to meet that need. Now you know people like that, right? People in your life, there's a need that you see. If you're a Sunday school teacher or if you're a deacon or if you're an elder or whatever, and there's a need, you can call on somebody because you trust them because they're a person of mercy. They can extend mercy and they can look out for one another. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 19 says, And not only that, but He has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord Himself and to show our good will. In this passage, Paul's talking to the, the Corinthian church, and he's, he's referring to to Titus. He's also referring, and we don't know who this guy is. We also he's also referring to this famous preacher. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of cool. He's a famous preacher, but they, we don't we don't know who it is. This verse talking about, but this person that can carry out this act of ministry. Paul said saying, a spiritual servant, somebody's going to come beside me, knows the need and they're a person of mercy and they're going to reach out to people in mercy because they understand that need. This act is carry out this act of grace, Paul says. A spiritual servant is someone who's ready to carry out an act of grace. There's people in your neighborhood that need to see a spiritual servant, a person of mercy that can carry out this need of grace this church needs people that will say I want to be a spiritual servant that will carry out a need of grace there's people suffering all around us all over the coast all over the world and spiritual servants need to rise up and say you know what I'll address that need I'm going to address that need and I'm going to make I want to be a person of mercy I want to see to that, that 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 gets done. When you minister to people, you are carrying out an act of grace. You're extending mercy. Listen to what Luke records in chapter 11, verse 42. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought have done without neglecting others. So all throughout Scripture, God is concerned about others. He's concerned about His people who are called by His name, who are following Him, who are serving Him, to extend mercy to others. So a spiritual servant is a person of trust, a person of, of war, soldier. He's also a person of mercy. A spiritual servant is a person committed passionately to the church. Verse 26 in Philippians chapter 2. we see, for he, talking about Epaphroditus, he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. So Epaphroditus was sick and he's so ready to get along back to his church, back to his believers, back to his friends, his family of faith because he's stressed out, because he knows they're stressed out, because he's traveling, he's hurting, he's sick. He's committed. Indeed, he was ill. Paul says he was He's about to dead. He was so sick, near to death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I have sorrow upon sorrow. So what Paul is saying is Epaphroditus was so worked up and stressed out about getting to the church. But he was sick. The church was concerned about him. Paul was concerned about him. He was so stressed. He was so worked up. He's like, I'm so glad that God healed my friend Epaphroditus. Because, man, I was going to be sad if he died. So we we see this commitment to one another in the New Testament, especially when you really examine some of these letters um, to these churches. And then verse 28, I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. They're committed passionately to the church. Epaphroditus loved the church, and the the church loved him. Let me ask you this. Are you committed? And I think most of us are. Are you committed to the church? I'm not just talking about attendance. I'm talking about just the, 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 your, the local church. And we, we get to come along beside one another. You get to have spiritual leaders oversee your spiritual journey. That's a beautiful thing. You get to come along beside one another. You get to invest your talent, your time, your resources to a local expression of the body of Christ was a beautiful thing you can see this commitment that paul it's obvious that Paul had a commitment to the church and he's anxious about the church Paul starts talking about all these things that have been troubling him and he says on top of it on top of that daily I have anxiety for all the churches we need to be people committed to the church not just attendance number next number uh, the, the last one, a spiritual servant, is a person who values the gospel more than anything, even his own life. A spiritual servant, someone who is committed to the gospel and values the gospel more than anything, even your own life. That's that's hard. That's tough. The book of Acts records in chapter twenty, verse twenty-four. Listen to these strong words, I love it. it." says, "But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God." A spiritual servant says, "The gospel, the gospel ministry is the most important thing in my life. And I would gladly lose everything for the sake of the gospel. That's, that's tough. We see in Philippians 2, 29 and 30. So, Paul's talking to the Philippian church here, still, about Epaphroditus. So receive him and the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Now when he says what was lacking in your service to I me, mean, he's, I mean, he's not getting on to the Philippian church, but Philippian church couldn't help Paul out and so Epaphroditus did. He says he almost died for the sake of the ministry. He gave it all for the sake of the ministry. Every fiber of Epaphroditus' being, he gave it all for the sake of the gospel. And Timothy did as well. And we talked about this morning about the great commandment and the great commission. And it, 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 it takes great faith, but it takes people who are willing to say, "I want to be a servant of God, a spiritual servant." I want to look at these men. I want to model my life after these guys. And they gave it all for the sake of the gospel. Aces of the gospel are not born; they are made through a commitment of mutual discipleship, commitment to the church. And most important, commitment to the gospel. I think we can be a church full of spiritual servants. Amen? Committed to the gospel. Committed to one another. To serve along beside one another. To fight the good fight with one another. To help each other out. Maybe you're here tonight and and, and maybe you're not a believer. Well, you're not fighting the good fight. You're getting beat. If you're not a believer tonight, uh, you're, you're not serving God. You're an enemy of God. And He's here tonight to receive you by faith. And you can be adopted tonight as a son or daughter of God and have all of your sins washed away. And you can scooch up to the table of God and eat there forever. And He'll welcome you as a son or a daughter forever. And it's not based on any merit of your own. Not any of your own works. It's simply, solely by the grace of God. And there's people in this room right now, you resonate with that because you know that by the grace of God, you are what you are. He saved you by His grace. And that's good. So if you're not a believer tonight, I would love more than anything to pray with you about that. But if you are a believer tonight, are you a spiritual servant? Do others around you see you as somebody that serves God? Somebody that's just deeply committed to the church, deeply committed to the gospel, to coming along beside one another. Every every New Testament believer was was involved with the local church. They were committed to one another. It was an oxymoron to have a a New Testament believer that wasn't involved with the church. It didn't happen. They saw the, the weight of being a follower of Christ and they said, well, there's no way that can be done on my own. So I need others to come along beside me. Paul understood that. That's why he brought Luke, Timothy and others. People aren't even named. Epaphroditus. We need one another. We need to serve together along beside one another. And I'm glad, glad to be here to do that with all of you. Let's pray. I'll be here down front. Um, If you need anything, if you need me to pray with you about anything, let's stand. We'll have a time of invitation. Father, we thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us how to be spiritual servants. I pray that we would desire the gospel in our our lives to to serve you with every fiber of who we are. God, we thank you for the example that you've given us in Scripture of Timothy and Epaphroditus. Lord, I pray that others see us as spiritual servants who who are committed to the gospel. We're committed to the local expression of the body of Christ, the church. We love you. We thank you for, for, for your grace in our lives, your mercy that you extended to us because you're good, not because we deserved it. So God I pray that you take this time and and speak to our hearts and do work tonight in our hearts. We love you. And we pray this in your good name. Amen.